And we're live again. Welcome back, Andrew. How are you going? Hey, Dave. Very well. How are you? Amazing. Amazing. I'm super excited. I'm going on holidays at the end of today. Two weeks crossing the Simpson Desert on a dirt bike, which is... Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And no internet, which is awesome. But um, that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, we're here to talk a bit about the rule of five ones. So um, maybe uh, give us a bit of background. What is the rule of five ones? Where did it come from? Um, I learned it through uh, some marketing that I've been doing. Yep. And it's really an approach to building your, your business and actually trying something in a simple way. So the, the saying goes, um, uh, simplicity scales, complexity fails. And I think that the rule of five ones is all about simplifying how you do things and particularly uh, with your marketing, keeping it really, really simple. Yes. So um, let's go through what these five ones are. Yeah, sure. So really, um, did you have a screen we could go through or do you want me just to walk through? Oh, the, uh... Let's see if we can make the magic work. Uh, last time I did this, we failed. It's no, okay, no, there you are. Look at that. Awesome. It, yes. So, yeah, yeah. Let me start drawing. Yeah. Now, you, you had this uh, funnel looking thing. Sort of drawn like that. Yeah. And in here, we've got like uh, five levels, I guess, because there's five ones. Yep. And then you're going to yep. take me through what they are. Absolutely. So the rule of five ones. First of all, it's uh, it's target market. So tell me a bit about this. So most professional services firms, I guess business owners, but we're talking about professional firms, services firms, focus on at least two, three, four, maybe even five different target markets that they want to go after. So yep. on the left, you put, you know, three to five. Yep. And that's that's the starting point for a lot of businesses. Let's go after four or five different quadrants because mm. we need to, and they're all valuable for us. Okay. So the first um, one is, obviously, we shouldn't be going after three to five target markets. We should only be going after one. After one to start. Okay. With. Yep. So how do we choose? <laughs> What you're asking there is quite a challenging thing, right? Well, we talked about this in one of a, a previous editions of Meet the Pros, and I guess we talked about the things like niche, you know, niche by industry or niche by product. Yep. And really, this is about just being, just choosing from a marketing perspective. So you don't have to flip your whole business and say, we're just going to focus on this. Mm -hmm. But from a marketing point of view, um, let's be really focused on who's the most profitable, who's the most the, the, the type of client bracket that you want that you want to work with the most that yeah. you pay for your services. And um, again, it's all about it's just purely from a marketing point of view. So maybe decide, yeah, just just you know pick one and go go and try from marketing point of view. Go after one particular right. tag. Because I think like uh, one of my favorite books on this topic is called Essentialism. And yep. one of the things that uh, it, the book uh, touts about is this idea of you can only really focus on one thing and give it full energy. Anyone who tries to multitask really struggles. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, a lot of people in business, their target market, it's not that they might have multiple markets, but their market identification is too broad. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, just an interesting story on this. We, we used to think we had a niche in our market when we said we, we focus on SME, the SME market yeah. space. Yeah. And uh, what I didn't realize is when COVID came along, it, it sort of diluted our market because we did, but we had a prerequisite, which was geographics. And our target market was a 20-kilometer circle drawn around our office. Mm-hmm. And so people who would be interstate or in, even, even in the country it was too far because we would do face-to-face coaching. So we had an implied niche. So our target market was very clear. It was businesses within this circle. But then when we went online, that niching disappeared. So all of a sudden we became vanilla. So I think this idea of target market being one is not only a single dimension. It's not just about deciding that I have a single target market, but it's about keeping clear that it's focused enough to actually get traction. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's the point there, focused enough to get traction because as, as we walk you through the five different ones you'll you'll get a sense of why we're starting here yep fantastic so um what's the next one the next one is solution okay so let's talk a bit about this one yeah so what that really means is uh and it could be a product but or it could be a service offering so mm-hmm. what we're saying here is again many many companies will offer four, five, six, ten different services or products. And uh, again, it's when you offer lots of different things, it's like you go to a restaurant. I don't know if you've, you've, you've had this experience, Dave. You go to a restaurant and <laughs> about a hundred different items. That, you know, like I went to a cafe the other day and they, um, you know, they, they, do, they do burgers. Yep. They also do waffles and they do, um, you know, ice cream sandwiches and, and, you, and pizza, and you end up going, wow, they do so much stuff. But again, um, as, as you know, business owners, we uh, it's, can be tempted to offer lots of different things. And again, last year, a, a little while, I've offered a few different things, but not really focused on one thing that we do really well. So again, we're yeah. testing. If we know the target market really inside out, and we know that they have, uh, you know, a, two or three or four key problems, then what could be a service or product which you may already be offering at the moment? How can we wrap wrap our services around and just offer that as a singular type of solution? Okay, so we've got Shamal on the call with us again today. G'day Shamal, how you doing? Um, He's got a question. Do you target all segments of the target market? Do you target all segments of the target market? That's a very interesting question because I think what what you alluded to before is that a segment of a target market is the target. So Mm. when we say all segments of a target market, we're also saying potentially multiple targets. Is that how you would interpret that, Andrew? Yeah. So for example, you know, you mentioned SME before. So you might say um, SME that has uh, five to fifty staff. Yeah. you know, based and uh, in, in maybe a, a few different sort of areas. So yeah. that could be a professional service. That could be a niche mm. that you decide to go after, um, mm. like a, as as a segment, if you like. So when we, you know, segment when we say target market, it's just really understanding. You know, how how, how do you want to uh, think about who your your best client is at the moment, or the better yeah. client that you want to work with, and then try and narrow that down as much yeah. as you can and test it. So we're just testing really the theory of this at the moment. I'll give you a story on this because it is an interesting question, right? When we talk about segments and what comes to mind in my mind is our target market is still in SME, okay? But we've had to narrow down even a bit further and go for the professional services firm. 
Now, in the professional service firm, there's segments, okay? And so there's sizes, right? So we could say, well, we want to target people with three professional services people or five professional services or 10, and you could say each one of those is a segment. Or what we do is we say the segment is professional services over three. And then what happens is as they grow, then our program has a Ascension model attached to it. So I think uh, without knowing the specifics of what the definition of segment is for target market, it sort of becomes a almost a play on words. Um, but I think the, philosoph- the philosophy is if you try and be everything to everyone, um, a friend of mine used to call this a Jotman, J-O-T-M-A-N or something. And it was jack of all trades, master of none. And what, what you notice is someone who's a jack of all trades, master of none, generally gets less fee for what they do. Yeah. They have less yeah. impact in their marketing because they sound vanilla or generic. And so I think the tough thing here is to decide how much you want to carve into a sector. Um, and, and the truth of the matter is, I think it comes down to how identifiable that target market is, number one, and whether it's viable, okay? Yeah. Because I can go so niche. And I remember someone came to me one time and they said, I'm in a niche market. I found this product and I bought the company because it's so niche. So I said, what is it? And it was a thing that goes on the column of your windscreen that puts you can put meters in there. So you can actually put like a speedo and a temperature gauge and all these things. And he goes, no one else makes them. <laughs> I said, uh, how much of a market is there for this thing? And he goes, well, I'm not sure, but because I'm the only one that makes them, then therefore mm-hmm. it's a niche. Now, one of the dangers with niching too tight is that there's no viable op- opportunity in that marketplace. So the, the play here is the question of, is the market big enough? Do they have a yeah. problem that you specifically can solve? And yeah. can they afford to pay your services? You know, Because mm-hmm. if they can't, then the niche might not be um, a valid niche. Yeah, so it's an interesting question. It's an interesting dilemma, but I think you're right. If I have two or three different niches or if I'm general, like anyone who needs my help, what ends Mm -hmm. up happening is I'm trying to communicate different messages to different people, which means I'm not seen as an expert in that area. So this whole idea of gravitating down or narrowing down to one niche and testing it is challenging on one side, but also rewarding on the other. And we've got a specific example of a, professional service firm who did this really well, who's identifiable you know, in the marketplace, which will kind of make it easier for everyone to understand if you're watching. Um, so yeah, one, you know, how can you wrap up your different solution? How can you have one, one solution? And the next one is, um, which, next one is the conversion aspect of, of this. Okay. So when we say conversion, what we really mean is your sales process. Okay. Um, again, you know, you might think about how you engage from a sales perspective we talked about this i believe it was last week um and or maybe the week before and and we said that having you know a really simple sales process can be you know can be really effective this could be simply your triage you know one really stellar triage process that that you can on that call identify if they're the right fit and you can quickly assess uh if they're in or if if they're out and move on so this is just Fine. Yeah. Super interesting, right? Because one of the big challenges I find with a lot of people in, especially professional services, is this notion of consultative selling. And what it means for most people is, let me talk to you about your needs and let me create a proposal based on your needs so that I can come back with a catered solution. Now, it sounds amazing and it sounds awesome, yeah. but it's the most yeah. cost-ineffective way of doing sales. 
Um, I learned many, many years ago that I don't like writing proposals. I don't like creating bespoke solutions for people because it takes time and it's usually unpaid time. Yes. So what I've learned is you need to put that service into the delivery, the paid service. And so I used to work in IT many, many years ago in telecommunications. And one of the things that used to happen often for us is people would come to us and say, we need a network. Can you sell us one? And we'd say, yeah, yeah, we can sell you the network. And we do a free design service. So we would design this network. We would give them all the specs, all of the model numbers and everything as part of our pre-sales, assuming that they would buy from us. What we found they ended up doing was taking our design and then going back to market and finding the cheapest price for the product. And uh, the way we got around this is rather than creating these designs, because it would cost us time and money to do them, we'd say we have a $1,000 upfront, uh, fully refundable payment for us to do the network design. And if you choose to go with us, it comes off the price. And if you choose to go with someone else, then you've paid for the design. Oh, great. So uh, yeah. the good thing about this is the proposal was the same every single sales call. It was one sale. It was like you either buy the design from us or you don't. Right? And if you do, then we can go into the in-depth design or customization. Mm -hmm. And I brought that into this business with me. So we, we've sort of really clarified that we only do our programs one way. Right? Mm -hmm. And um, we serve different people in different ways within the program, but the actual conversion, the sale, is done with one sales call and one proposal. So I think there's a lot of validity in being simple in your sales process, but becoming really good at showing value in what you do as well. And just to jump on that too, David, in a similar way, yeah, I, I, you know, I spend a lot of time writing proposals and custom programs with all these different great things on there. But you know, this year, in a similar way, we've just we've developed our initial offering and then ongoing programs. And the initial offering is, is you know, is is already created, and it's got model and it's got how this works and it's got you know the outcomes, etc. Yeah. And I don't have. I've probably sent 10 of those off and I haven't had to recreate any one of them. So it's already saved me so much time because I'm so clear on what the value is. And I guess yeah. it's in a similar way, yeah. So what's the value? How can you make it super simple for someone, you know, to someone to actually um, self-select or, or, you know, for you to, to say that you're not the right fit? Yeah, awesome. Let's keep rolling. What, what's the next one? The, the next one is traffic. Okay. So tell me a bit about traffic, like you're talking traffic sources as in where your leads come from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're definitely not talking about um, the stop, go, stein outside. We're talking about where do your leads come from? And again, this is now getting more into the tactical side of marketing. Um, yeah. Think about, you know, we know that you need different ways to, you know, there's different um, avenues you can use, but... The rule of five ones says that really, if you're going to do this, focus on one. You know, have one bet to start with. Where's the one? Where's the one place that you think you're going to get the most, you know, return on your marketing investment? Um, because there's so many different options out there. But if you think that your target market, the one that you've chosen, lives on LinkedIn and you can access them, then let's you know just focus on that to start with. Don't play around with um, you know, Facebook and CEO and all these other things. Just have one one way that you feel you're gonna get traffic to you. Yeah. So that's a, it's an interesting, when you think of it like that, it actually takes a bit of pressure off as a business owner too, because you're not thinking, oh, I've got to design this multifaceted, you know, huge, you know, social media plus emails plus, you know, paid search. Just, just try one thing, one way to get traffic. Um, 
So, so here's a dilemma, okay? Because when, when I talk to people in business, we talk about having multi-channel marketing. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying now is we should only have one. To start with. To start because with. Because what, what, what we're trying to do is we're trying to test if this is the right, the right solution. When you have multiple channels, so I'm talking yep. about mainly digital channels. Yes. Um, then it becomes really hard to measure. It becomes you've, you've actually got to follow up with all these um, opportunities and all and, and and all these things that come through from the marketing. Yep. And quite often, as business owners, we're not equipped to do that because we're so busy doing our other, which is why they need coaching, right, Dave? Um, so I guess the idea is here is what's the you want to test and measure this is all about testing and measuring and seeing if, if you know if this target market is the right one for you yep. and if, if there's one traffic you know if, if, if the traffic source is going to give you the most return if you can prove it and then and only then you can go to and you know put in other channels there's no use doing five things from an online perspective and then seeing what works um mm-hmm. but what what we're saying though is of course if you, you know if you might feel that networking and um, keynote speaking and um, and you know um, uh, you know like they might be two channels that you use but I'm talking more about you know I'm not suggesting that you do five different you know social platforms you know yeah, SEO gotcha. and paid yeah um, it's more just the from a pure mark like a digital marketing point of view gotcha. that's how I see it Okay, look, for me, the way I'm interpreting this this piece of the five ones is that you should build one at a time. And this mm-hmm. is something I am a big fan of is I think too many people try too many things that don't produce results simultaneously and they don't know which one's working, which one's not working and they're just clearing their bank account too quickly. Yeah. So yeah. if you're going to pick a channel, focus on that channel and don't just pay yeah. someone else to do it and hope it goes well. Actually deliberately keep an eye on every single piece of traffic, make the adjustments, mm-hmm. move quickly. Because I look at this like the uh, spinning plates at the circus. I don't know if you recall um, when you were a kid. And the clown will get this first plate up and running. It's quite difficult to spin a plate. And if you've ever tried it yourself, it's extremely difficult. But once it's up and running, it's actually pretty easy to keep it rolling. So they spin one plate up, they stick it on the stand, then they go and try and spin the next plate up. Now, the first plate's spinning until they get to about plate three or four, and then they might have to go back and give it a bit of a tweak. So to me, when you talk about one traffic source, I think until that traffic source is producing fantastic results you need to keep your eye on one so that's the interpretation of the one there for me is to really make sure it's up robust and up and running before you go and dilute your focus so that's it we don't want to dilute it and the last one is is time which in this case you know you might put a year for example so one year Mm -hmm. that's uh that's the last piece of the puzzle um for you it might be i mean it might be a quarter but generally speaking, if you do if you do marketing for an extended period of time, and I like to think that if you give yourself at least three, but maybe six months minimum, one year, awesome if you can, yeah. then you can actually you can actually test and see if if the thing works. And the the way, what I'm as an example, um, you know, like for Concurve, so for my business, I've been doing. Um, one particular strategy, which is which is really LinkedIn outreach and also content inbound um, generation, and we'll be doing that for four months. And it's you know it's produced, connected with you know over two hundred of my ideal clients. We've had yep. you know twenty plus meetings, and with actual the, the relevant sort of 
ideal clients. And to me, it says, okay, well, we've got four months of data here. And then if, if, you, if you're able to track things and you can kind of see on the way you can test and measure. And the, the example of who we're trying to talk about here is this company called Agency Analytics. Okay. Um, so Agency Analytics, they started off as um, an, an SEO company. So they did search engine optimization and they said, okay, well, we'll do search engine optimization. We'll do some other different um, web-based uh, marketing tactics. And anyway, so they did that for quite a while and they realized that, oh, look, it's, it's not really working. So what can they do to, um, to be a bit, you know, be, what can they do to stand out? So what they did was they decided, who do we, you know, target market, who do we love to serve? We love to yep. serve uh, marketing agencies. So agency owners, so they're, okay, there's our one target market. Mm -hmm. Now, from a solution perspective, we're offering all these things, they're a bit diluted, what can we offer? So they focused on using um, data and specifically around the analytics side of digital marketing. Yeah, right. So they, they created a solution uh, called agency analytics, which is essentially a way to evaluate your analytics of all your, you know, all your social media activity. Mm. Um, their conversion tactic is simply a demo. It's yep. like a half hour demo call that they have. The traffic is all through Google because they know people are searching for, you know, social media analytics tool yep. and that they're at the top of the tree. And they did that for at least a year. And this mm. was, I think, maybe early 2010s. Yeah. Anyway, the undisputed number one king of analytics from a marketing agency point of view. Interesting. Um, very easy product, really easy to use, totally looks professional. Um, it blows everything else I've seen off the market and again, they've captured that market because they follow the principle of the rule of five ones. That's all they're doing. Right. So literally, this is just a notion of simplifying, isn't it? It's about saying, take all the noise out, use the old 80-20 rule, which is 20% of what you're doing. If you're doing five, if you have five target markets, 20% of that one target market is probably producing 80% of the revenue. So if we use 80-20 in the target market, so if we go back to our little drawing here, uh, our target market, so we go, what's the 20% that's producing 80% of the results? So who's our best clients? Um, our target solution, so which is the best product? So the most lucrative, the one that actually gets the most traction. What's our best conversion strategy? So which is the one way that we sell that actually produces the best results? Which is our best traffic source? So once again, just focusing on one and saying, well, we've got lots of them, but which is our best one? And then the last one is how do we encapsulate that and stick with our guns for one year? And I think this is quite difficult, isn't it? Because uh, we get distracted. We have bright, shiny objects being thrown at us all the time. And uh, this discipline of saying, well, let's just stick with one uh, or five ones, I should say, um, is really about saying choose and then cast all your energy into the one bucket. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the other thing to mention here, if it sounds overly simple, is we're not saying that you simply choose one thing and just, you know, put a blindfold on and then a year wake up and say, oh, did it work? Like, mm. we're, obviously, you've got to measure, a test and measure the, the, the mark the whole way through. But, yep. um, you know, it's all about it's all about giving something a go and, and being really super, super focused on, as you say, and not, not giving up in three months, just saying, like, it's not, it's, it hasn't worked. Um, yeah. Well, often, in my experience, things start to work but we don't give them a chance to refine and test and, and, and update it and tweak it and then get better results we just we just we just can it and as and as you say move on to the next sort of shiny object so um yeah the rule of five ones has really sort of helped me solidify my thinking when it comes to uh you know the way that i run things and also for my for clients as well you know like 
game thinking and that mentality and hopefully yeah for you for you watching it it's also given something different to think about with yeah. your uh, with your, yeah. well, I think simplification we have it almost uh, etched on the wall here the word simplify because inevitably you know nature abhors a vacuum and companies bloat and we get more and more stuff happening more and more things happening and you start looking at it all going well it's a bit like a wardrobe once it's packed solid it's hard to buy new clothes right <laughs> so sometimes this whole idea of simplifying and going back to what are the five ones can actually really clarify where you should cast your energy and I suppose how to optimize the growth of the business awesome Andrew another pearl of wisdom for people to mull over the weekend you know and uh, really think about how can I reduce or eliminate waste within my business how can I focus on what's most important in this whole idea of bringing clients to the table? So appreciate your input, appreciate your thought process. Thank you. Thanks, David. Enjoy the, um, I was going to say the Sahara, but it's not quite the Sahara. It's the, like the Sahara. It's the Simpson Desert, which is not what most people think. The Sahara Desert's just pure sand. The Simpson Desert's full of shrubs. And so when, when people say desert, they think no, no, no greeny, no greenery. But um, the Simpson Desert is quite lush, so. It's going to be fun. Fantastic. All right, Andrew, Thanks, appreciate your time again. We'll catch up when we get back. Yeah, absolutely look forward to it. Thanks, Dave.